Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Well, howdy doody. Monday, Thursday looked awful. First game Friday looked awful. It was all doom and gloom until what a Sunday, Amon. How are we? Yep. Hey, Whisper. Uh, yep. Nailed it on the head there. Uh, Thursday was diabolical, and then uh, Sunday has given us a treat. But before I continue, shout out to Brut as well. Uh, thoughts with him. Um, appreciate you having me on as well tonight. No, mate. Anytime. Anytime. Look, I'm trying to schedule you in as my sort of moving forward Sunday guest, if you if we can commit to it, and we'll, we'll go from there. Um, but how'd you end up this week? As as everyone can see, it's it's. A, 1300, mate, you've, you've got to be happy with that considering uh, Thursday, Friday, you, you were messaging me, doom and gloom, not overly happy with a, with a particular Nico Hines, you were on the fence about trading him in last week, finally pulled the trigger, and it looked like a trade that you didn't love, but obviously the, the round panned out pretty well, and, and we moved forward from there. Yeah, so yeah, 1301, so it's actually my first score over 1000 this season so far, so it's good to get a good score this week. Um, yeah, Pappenhausen was the mainstay, and really the points came on Sunday. So it was doom and gloom, but yeah, po- uh, fortunately things turned out nicely. Some of my trade-ins, like Heinz, didn't quite pop off, but look, I'm happy they're in my team, and uh, we go from here. Uh, hopefully should be seeing a green arrow this week as well. Mate, I was like 660 through 12 players coming into today, and we've more than doubled that in six players. Obviously it helps when you've got a particular fullback from Melbourne that scores nearly 400 points as your captain, and we'll touch on him today. Um, but overall, mate, 1,300, I think it's above par. I think you have it above par as well. Um, it's very hard this week to, to judge what is considered par because it really comes down to three categories. Do you own Pappenhausen? Did you captain him? Or do you not own him at all? So it's it's very hard to put a number on it. Um, but both of us were ca- were Pappen captainers, if that yet yeah, captainers. Um, and oh, yeah, look, I'm I'm ecstatic with my thirteen fifty five back to back thirteen hundred weeks for me. Really hoping that pushes me into the top one k. Um, and then for you, mate, your first score over a thousand this year. It's it's a pretty good one in thirteen hundred. Uh, the biggest I've seen. Shout out to Tom Fig Jam, um, good mate of mine. Fifteen hundred and forty points this week from him. He was a Pappen Kappenhauser, a Moses owner, a Brown owner. Uh, Jack Bird, he had him in there. Uh, Penasini, obviously, like it was just a monster uh, last game from him today. And, and third and forty is the biggest I've seen. But there will be some big scores this week that that went hard on someone like a, someone like a, a Mitch Moses. Yeah, no, that's uh that's an insane score. Um, yeah, so 
what's that? Fifteen hundred. Yeah, that's great. That's got to be near top of the week, surely. Hey, my mate Tom's back to, uh, judging us on par scores once again. Par is very subjective as to where you sit, so it's it's very hard considering. Yeah, we've got a guy that that nearly had a four hundred point swing for some teams. Let's move into the first game, a game that I really, really don't want to touch on. It was looking like a trialless affair. It was the Titans 6, the Tigers... Sorry, the Titans 8, the Tigers 6. Uh, the, tig- the Tigers had this game won, and then a Toby Sexton kick off the upright, uh, landed in the hands of the Tigers, and that's that's game uh, until Aaron Clark punched the ball out and AJ Brimson scored and ripped the hearts out of all Tigers fans. Yeah, that's a it's a crushing blow for the Tigers not um, getting this one over the line. So uh, I would, I watched the first half of this and then I was driving and had it just on the radio and it didn't, didn't sound much. like anything didn't miss exciting. Much. Yeah, didn't, didn't really didn't miss much to be honest. Um, I was just trying to hear out for Dave Fafita because I had him in my team, had him vice captain, and I thought hopefully I'm just hearing in the commentary or oh, Dave Fafita crashes over. Nothing like that. Scrappy game from all reports. I haven't even bothered trying to go back and watch the second half highlights. I don't think I missed much in honesty. Hey, but if, um, if yeah, you, really just Dow game. If you told me when Bofema got ruled out very late on Thursday that David Fafita would top score for his side in a win, I would expect huge, huge things. But top score in his side for the 53, are we happy with that? Are we sad about that? I mean, I made a couple of rage trade plan, rage trade plans 10 o'clock Thursday night. But looking back on it, 53 in a game where he did absolutely nothing. Are we? What are we doing with him? You, your initial thoughts with Fafita, are we moving forward and persisting with him or is it time to cut ties? I think it really depends on the makeup of your team. So I know it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but look, as you mentioned, 53 without doing anything is kind of a good thing, but it's also scary in the sense that he's not hitting those high scores that we were hoping for from last year. Now, if you're in a position like myself, I think I've got other priorities. So I think he's going to stay for the foreseeable future. But say, for example, you've got your team well set up. I think you can cut ties with the likes of Fafida. Titans draw is not the best. And when we touch on in a game in a couple of um, sections with the Rabbitohs, uh, we've got the likes of, say, Cam Murray is absolutely killing it. Draw opens up. I can very easily see a nice switch there. So kind of depends, I think, on the makeup of your team. But look, if you're in that position, I don't think it's like we're not. I'm not fearful of him going massive because we're just not seeing it at all. We've gotten four rounds of proof of it and but we have, we're not seeing anything yet so i think there's no reason to not be concerned about you know having to having to sell him teams are just giving him the turbo treatment and that is just putting two or three blokes on him the minute he touches the ball and and someone made a great point on twitter that the fact that the game is not as quick it just doesn't allow him just to continue to continually get on that front foot um we could be talking about him very differently we could be talking about him with a closer to 85 point score he had that tap from the 10 meter line in the first half and was inches away from putting the ball down for a try so that could be an 85-point game, but I feel like with Fafita, we're continually saying week after week, oh, it could have been, it could have been, it could have been. And then we get to like round eight or round nine, and he's 570K, and we're still saying that. So I think there has to come a time when there's a line in the sand, we, we move on from him. Um, I own Sam Walker, who I'm getting very, very impatient with, and Fafita might need to be the one that makes way to free up some cash me to upgrade my halfback slot to Cleary. Um, but, mate, there is nothing to talk about this game. The top score was Luciano Le Lua with 56, Alex Twal with a 55, Fafita with a 53, and Nofaluma with a 50. There was four scores over 50 in this entire game, and, yeah, it was not looking not looking good. And as a Tigers fan, the less we speak about this game, the better. Moving on to the first game on Friday, this also was not much else to write home about. The Sharks 16, the Knights nil. 
all eyes were on Nico Hines. A lot of people were chasing that hat trick of 100 scores, yourself included, me as well. I took the vice captaincy off Hines very, very late and put on Fafita. And when Fafita did nothing, I was dreading. I was watching this game through like the slits in my fingers, just hoping that Hines didn't go big. And a 44. So I'm not too upset because basically everyone in the top 10, 15% of teams should own Nico Hines. So I'm not losing anything there. Still made some cash, but... Yeah, not not really ideal considering the the two back to back hundred scores he put on. Yeah, look, so I'm a new owner of Nico Hines, so I missed out on his nice tons the last couple of weeks, and I did bring him in this week. Now, obviously, I've got a bit of a penchant recently, it seems, for poems. Now, last week I thought, you know, rain, hail, or shine doesn't matter for Nico Hines. I clearly didn't factor in wind. Uh, the first half was well, it was extremely windy that whole game, and it was all of his kicks were just going up in the air, not going anywhere meaningful. So that really did hamper, I think, the Sharks, or at least him uh, in the first half. So, look, I'm happy enough that he got to like at least a respectable score, 44. You know, still beat his break even. But look, I think this like we've seen enough in the first three rounds, and I'm happy enough to have him. Just didn't quite work out this week. They've still got the, they've got the Tigers coming up in round five. Now, even that's a little bit harder to call because the Tigers have shown just a bit of grit in defense, but the Sharks are a good outfit. So um, hopefully things turn around for Hines in uh, round five. Long-time Supercoach players, long-time listeners of any podcast will know that we all have a bit of love for Sifatalakai. We all we all have him as like, just a way... Like, I honestly think he could be a 70-point average guy if you got consistent game time, but he can never, ever get consistent game time. But we saw just how destructive he was. Um, I think on Dane Gagai's birth certificate under father, it will have Sifatalakai because he was just all over him. He made Gagai and Young and I think it was Clu- no, Clifford just look like park footy players. Like He was damaging, and this is the Sivitalikai that we all know at his best, what he can do week in, week out. Yeah, for sure. I think it was a couple of seasons ago when he was just coming through the Sharks team. I had him parked in my center wing, and he was just there for, like, for ages from the beginning of the season, and eventually he just became a wrecking ball back end of the year. Uh, and so... If you ever see him getting a run in the starting uh, starting thirteen and what looks like an extended period of time, it's always you always have to be on notice because he's such a wrecking ball. Showed it in that game against the Knights. Um, this has got a very super coach friendly game. Likes to offload tackle breaks, as you mentioned. Uh, definitely playing on the edge can always get those attacking stats as well. So yeah, definitely someone I'm going to always keep an eye on. Uh, very big score here. Um, I think it will kind of also depend on the return of Wade Graham. What that kind of does. Does that mean uh, you know Talakai stays? In the back line, you know, maybe with Wilton, potentially there's some competition there as well. But look, he's played so good that maybe there's a chance he can stay in the starting 13. Yeah, well, Connor Tracy was battling um, fitness all sort of preseason with with a, an off-string groin injury, which he reaggravated last week. So maybe the, the center spot opens up um, because, yeah, Wilton and Graham are sort of battling for that back row spot. So you think the only way Talakai's getting in is in the centers. I've just realized on the YouTube stream, I haven't changed the handle, so... Uh, you are still known as Brew SC, so I've got I've got to fix that for next week. But everyone knows who you are because the handle wasn't the very first screen. Um, Ronaldo Molotalo, Brew and I actually touched on him uh, in the preseason. He's one of these guys that I'm probably going to own some point of the year. But you just got to work out. You got to pick your timing because um, he will go on runs. And 104 points for him uh, this week, and in a side that's called 18 points, is is pretty impressive. It just looked like that side of the field was humming. Yeah, I kind of feel that way about a lot of the Sharks backline players, actually. I remember last year, there was a point where, you know, a lot of people were jumping on the likes of uh, Jesse Ramian because he had really good underlying numbers. Again, you can see Ramian, Katoa, Mulatalo all did pretty good this week. You kind of have to pick and choose with them. Uh, it's really difficult to, like, kind of, you, if you pick them, I think you have to stick with them for a while because they can have, you know, games where they blow hot and cold. But 
yeah, I mean, the Sharks, we know, are a good team overall. They do have the Storm coming up in a couple of weeks. Maybe you could wait. But look, the fact they've got those big scores could be a nice pod to consider. So yeah, definitely um, points of interest there, I think, in the Sharks' back line. Uh, shout out to Aiden Tolman scoring a try, scoring the first try in his 300th game. Also shout out to Britton Acora, who I pumped up all preseason, got me scores of 33 and 40, and then has just gone 71-66 with no attacking stats in the last two weeks. That is awesome to see. Love you, Britton. Um, mate, I cannot wait to own Cam McInnes for about 400k in about three weeks' time when he finally gets the mm. starting job back because that's going to be that's going to be handy. Um, if we don't go, if you don't own Green or something, and you want to upgrade from Randall. Um, Cameron McInnes, when he's at discount price, when he finally gets the start back, could be very, very juicy because Craig Fitzgibbon, obviously, is, a, is an avid Supercoach player and he's trying to kill his price as much as possible. And then I'm sure he'll pick him up as well. Do you even need to upgrade Randall though? Sitting up. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice shout out, shout out to Chris Randall, <laughs> 62. Played him for the first three rounds, did nothing, benched him this week, and then pumps out a 60. Play the full 80. I I've, I'm just had a quick look at the minutes as well. I have a feeling maybe um, Tyson Frizzell's injury played a factor in that, mm. uh, potentially because of that. That just meant that, say, for example, um, what, it, what I don't know what they used to do with yeah, like, Phoenix Crossland. Last, there might, could have been a bit of a switch with the rotation. Even, but he played the full 80. Even week, last week. What we've seen. Even last week when they had um, Barnett sent, they were playing with 12 men, and Randall didn't play 80 then. So that worried me, and that's the reason why I banished him this week. And then, yeah, had to play the full 80 this week, which, look, I'm probably not going to start him again next week because I want to see what happens with, with Phoenix Crosland or whatever. Um, but, yeah, look, let's just touch on your fantastic trading this week of Brody Jones, because not Brody Jones, um, Leo Thompson, because I know that you were looking at sort of a decent backup bench forward and then you played him this week and with the Frizzell injury, you're like, oh, sweet, there might be some more minutes here. And he did, sweet FA. He started really strong. He looked really good. I was watching the game. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. He looking he, like his PPM was looking amazing. And then he only played like 32 minutes total, uh, which was really disappointing. Um, you know, downgrading Fennel Blake, who we'll touch on a little bit later, but he did decently well himself. And I thought Leo Thompson starting, um, looked at the numbers. Hopefully he was going to average just like a base of like 40. And that would be enough to get some good cash growth. Just front row forward is pretty plodder. So I thought, take the money out of there and use that to upgrade to Heinz um, and some of the other upgrades they did this week. But yeah, a bit disappointing. Maybe I need to stop trusting Adam O'Brien and his minutes rotation. He seems to never, never help me out. I thought you'd learn by now, mate. Um, I'm also pretty disappointed in Brody, in Brody Jones. Uh, a lot of hype for him. Averaged about 50 points last year when he started. I'm hoping it's just him down to it's his first game of the season and was a little bit underdone because he only got a, what did he get, like a 32? Um, and he was look, he was one of my options to trade for feeder down to to free up just a bunch of cash. So I'll probably watch Brody Jones again next week. And look, if the minutes pick up and the production picks up, we've, we've got two more weeks to look at him before the price goes up. So um, not too bad. Hopefully, yeah, he comes good. Uh, apart from that, the Sharks are just a very, very good side. They will be battling the top four, I suspect. Um, they've started the season a lot stronger than what I thought they would have with all the, the new combinations or whatever. Uh, moving into the third game, the Panthers are just... It's just unfair how good they are. Like, they're just so clinical. Um, Cleary comes in. They don't miss a beat. Isaac Tago, Talon May... If you went early on May last week, you're a genius. If you went early again on him this week, you reap the rewards. And yeah, look, I'm going to make it no secret. Come my Instagram posts when I do my best buys, uh, Talon May will be number one because this is the week that you've got to get on him before he goes up, what, 85K? 
oh, it's it would be something ridiculous, right? And uh, yeah, look, I'm filthy. I don't haven't got on him just because I had other things I wanted to do. He wasn't my plans for sure, but I thought I don't have to risk it. I can wait till week three. And look, yeah, if you've jumped on already, you've reaped the benefits. They do play the dogs. I want to say this coming week, some play a good opponent, I think. So yeah, Taylor May is 100% going to be the most purchased player this week. And uh, look, even if he only gets like two, three more weeks in the Panthers side, he's going to make bulk cash. And for whatever reason, people have talked about maybe Toto comes back in on the right wing, Taylor May stays on the left, maybe May goes to the right side. Either way, I don't see any downside. In not like I think you just have to go with Taylor May. He's and, close to a must-buy this week if you don't own him. And he won't be an AE nightmare either. Um, with like Toto's injury at the end of last year, with, end, with the injury that started this year, and seeing how good May has been, I wouldn't expect Ivan Cleary to play Brian Toto much through Origin. Um, so you could potentially just hold him on your bench. It's only a 250k investment, despite his price tag might be 380k or whatever. But you know when you bring him in, like you're just expecting a good score. So he could be a fine hold over Origin, despite the decent price. Um, he top scored with a 97 to back up with his 100 performance last week. Uh, shout out to Villiam Kickout owners who held strong through the, the tiring times last week. He bounced back with an 82. That left edge just looks really, really good. As like we know, it's one of the best spots in the game. Um, Dylan Edwards with a 78. Like he never really is a huge fantasy output guy, but I tell you what, if you were building a side and Dylan Edwards was your fullback, you wouldn't be too upset because he just puts his body on the line week in, week out. Always a bloke that will average over 220 minutes a game. Just do whatever he has to do for the team. And yeah, like obviously he's outshined by the guys like Pappenhausen, Teddy, Turbo, um, Latrell. Like there's just better fullbacks for New South Wales. But Dylan Edwards is like, he just does a, a 7 to 8 out of 10 every week. And um, he's just gotten a lot, lot better over the years. No, he's really improved. And his running meters have been insane the first few weeks of the season. Supercoach-wise, it's always hard to jump on someone like Dylan Edwards when you know you've got, like, Turbo, Pappenhausen, yeah. Tedesco. It just seems like there's always slightly better options than him. If he was available anywhere else, he'd be an awesome shout. Just, unfortunately, he's in the most stacked position, you have to say. So a 34 from Nathan Cleary looked uh, a little bit shaky off the tee, uncharacteristically. Uh, what are we doing with him? Is, is he a guy that... Look, I, I told everyone to wait on him this week. I'm sure you were the same. Like, it's it wasn't a, a wise investment to, to jump on straight away. But moving forward, like, what was the mark? What was the point score in your head that if Cleary hit, you're like, okay, we have to get him in. Like, if he scored 60 this week in his first game back, is that enough for you to be like, yeah, we've got to get him in? Or are you sort of getting, were you getting him in regardless? Or were you just waiting no matter what he did? Oh, ideally, I probably, like, so yes, I was telling people to wait. I didn't think it'd be quite worth it. He's just coming back off an injury. Like, we know how good he is, but just give him the game. It was the, it was the Rabbitohs as well, not the easiest opponent. I think if he had scored like 150 plus, I would have been like, sheesh, I think I need this I need this guy like ASAP. And I probably would have been doing like trade boosts of, you know, Fafita down to like a cheapy upgrade, someone like Sam Walker uh, or maybe even Schneider. I would, you'd have to try and maybe get ways to get him in. But now like, look, he's got that 34. Hopefully it means he'll drop quite nicely in cash. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see because I think, I think the Panthers draw does open up nicely now. So obviously we know that he can turn it around and bang out 120, 30 next week. No worries. But I think when you've got enough other players doing well, not so expensive, I think we've seen so far that a lot of the guns coming into this year have been overpriced. And I think you don't necessarily have to go for them straight away. They're not going that much better that they're worth their price tag. So I would personally keep waiting. But I think with Cleary, I'm kind of needing to take it, I think, week by week, really. Just because we know that, look, if he starts smashing it and like his price might not even look like it goes down, then yet you've got to try and make moves to get him in. 
I think I'm going to try and get him in this week. And not because I love it. Oof. Not because I love it. It's because I own Sam Walker. What other halfback is lighting it up, really? Like, Mitch Moses, yeah, he's had a great game today. He had an 80-point game in the first week. But I think he had a 34 and a 50 in the two weeks in between that. Jerome Hughes has been hot and cold. Cherry Evans, probably the next best to look at. Like, halfback is just kind of... Eh. And I know I'm going to lose cash on him, but I'm actually like potentially looking at bringing him in because I do have feeder underperforming. And I've got Sam Walker underperforming. So there's a downgrade there. And I've also got like 180K in the bank. So we could do that. And then we've got to remember that Nathan Cleary is 34. It's only in his rolling average for like one cycle because that, that will drop out straight away. So yeah, we will look at that. Obviously, Teamless Tuesday, half my side might not get named and then we'll have to reassess. But like initial thoughts at 8.38 on a Sunday night is that, yeah, we, we might be looking at making some plays to get him in, not because I love his performances, just because there is not a whole lot else to do. And um, the reason why I didn't bring in Brad Schneider last week is because of that exact reason. I had plans on getting Cleary and kind of ASAP and didn't want to keep making changes in the halves. Um, but for the Panthers, we've, we've touched on sort of their top guys. Isaac Tago, yet again, he's he ain't a cash cow, man. He's looking like a, a season-long keeper. Yeah, for sure. I think the way that the Panthers, um, how good they are as an overall team, plus just down their left edge, um, he's got good base. He's getting the attacking stats. So it's like I'm not, I'm not looking at him as someone that I will eventually want to cash in at peak price. He's staying in there for now. He's not showing anything to warrant a sell at all. And shout out to Jose Yo. I brought him in for Angus Crichton a few weeks ago, 55 there. So he's been pretty solid the past couple of weeks. Um, nothing spectacular, but at his price, look, I'll happily take you know 55. Um, without any kind of major attacking stats. Yeah, I didn't jump on Isaiah Yo, and I was telling everyone to sort of wait on him because I wanted to see how he went with Cleary back in the side, and you expect that combination just to get better. So a 55 from him is, yeah, very, very sustainable. Uh, for the Rabbitohs, Cam Murray, as you said, probably the ideal replacement for David Fafita, 76 points. They're both going to play Origin, so it's not like you're tossing up one or the other. Uh, Alex Johnson with a 74 back to his annoying super coach output if you don't own because he just falls over and gets points. Uh, Campbell Graham, a guy that I am looking at heavily with the South Shore opening up. He, 72, I think he had another great score a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, Damien Cook has strung together two pretty good back-to-back performances with a 69 from him. Nice. Uh, Tom Burgess with a 66. Latrell with a 68. Another one I'm actually looking at picking up over the next couple of weeks. Maybe for a Teddy because it's very hard to drop pap at the moment. But South Draw, like Brew and I touched on this um, for quite a while, mate. If you look at South Draw from like round five to like round 22, I think they play one top four side, one or two top four sides in that 16-week period, 14-week period. Um, so South South sets are ones that I want to jump on. Uh, Cody Walker as well. He had a 55. But Lockie Ilias with a 55, he's no no doubt like his best game, not only from a Supercoach standpoint, but just an NRL standpoint, he looked better. Um, owners are very lucky he didn't go to the bin for, I think it was a professional foul. So a 55, if you started him, was ideal. But uh, unless you were forced to, based off his track record this year, I'd find it hard to see many sides that started him willingly. I know some some may have with all the outs, like Billy Smith and, and Bo Firma and whatever, that the news that Taltal Moan was getting put to the bench. I can see why people may have started him then, but I doubt many willingly started him. But if you did, 55 is his best score, and well done to you. Yeah, look, it's good to get a, a decent score from Ilias. Hopefully that's good for his cash uh, cash rises in the future. He looks like a bit of a slow burn. Um, I saw someone in the chat actually asked, do I trade Ilias or Schneider? Um, I would like, I mean, it's a bit of a tough call because Schneider probably looks maybe the better cash riser just because he's goal kicking as well. But the south door is opening up a lot. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, that's a tough one. I'm not quite sure. I think it really depends on your target. 
you know, say for example, if you're doing Elias to Munster or somehow you're doing Schneider to Cleary, I would say do the Cleary one. It's just a better upgrade. So it's really 50-50. I don't think that's an easy decision because now that the draw does open up, we saw good signs from him in the actual game. You wonder whether or not he can keep pumping out 45 to 55s a week. And, uh, you know, that'd be good for his cash growth. Yeah, 100%. He's got that flexible jewel as well, which is always handy. Um, as a giant arrow owner, mate, I am getting sort of increasingly worried. He had a chance to play big minutes this week. He didn't really. Uh, lost minutes last week to Liam Knight. Score, I mean, 46 is not awful. And you'll tread along, not going to lose cash. But we want to see those minutes creep back up to the 70-odd he was playing in, in round one. He is just one to, to monitor. It's going to round out Friday. Uh, we move into Saturday's games. The Warriors 20 against the Broncos 6. Uh, mate, as a uh, Selwyn Cobbo and Tony Staggs truther, where are you sitting right now? Sell. Sell. <laughs> just, just as simple Sell. as that? Get rid of them. I uh, can't stand him anymore. can't believe I've got both of them in my team. And I was so hell-bent on taking them out this week and somehow found a way to not take them out this week, just thinking it's a good matchup. I've got other things I can do. Just write it out for another week. Yeah, just frustrating as... Um, like, look, someone like Cobo can be held just because he's so cheap. But someone like Stags, I think there's enough options. If you've got the jewels to flip, just yeah, just get rid of it. I mean, we're not we're not seeing we're not seeing enough. I think out of the Broncos attack, they don't look fully um, in sync. They're still a bit disjointed. They've got the Roosters and then the Panthers in the next two. Binum, uh, yeah, um, uh, they're definitely both. I mean. Yeah, they're both going for me this week. I can see the pain. Ninety-five percent chance of going this week. I can see the pain and hear the pain in your eyes and in your voice. It's just, it's awful. Look, as someone that didn't start with Cobo or Stags, I was like terrified watching them. We always talk about the eye test, and the problem is Stags passes it. Like Stags passes the eye test because like of how good he looks with the ball in hand, but he just doesn't get enough touches. And yeah, I had him as a sell last week. Definitely a sell this week. Um, that draw does not get great. And yeah, Cobo is probably still a tad raw um, for for any kind of like huge outputs. Uh, Payne Haas, however, is becoming quite the thorn in my side because he is very good at the football, believe it or not. Yeah, look, I'm happy enough that I started with Payne Haas myself. He's doing what I thought he would do, you know, play big minutes. We played 72 this week, so a big bump up there. And now what looks like uh, an MCL injury to Pat Carrigan. Uh, potentially could be further suspensions for Tom Flegler. You'd think that Haas is going to continue playing big minutes. So if, if you can swing to someone like Payne Haas, I feel like the next few weeks he will do well. Um, you know, tough opposition coming up. You just expect him to be making like 40 to tackles a week, trying to make a bunch of runs, trying to get the Broncos out of their own end. So yeah, look, Haas is always going to be a good buy. He's just never probably going to be the biggest priority because he's never going to give you those 100 plus scores to make his price go insanely high. But I think if you can ever get to him, uh, look, he'll he'll be the standout front row forward come end of year. So I kind of see him as one of those guys that maybe early season you don't have to jump on just because of that price growth uh, that I mentioned. But eventually you want to just lock him in. So yeah, look, if you can get to Haas, say for example for feeder, if you're wanting to sell for feeder and you've got duels, you know, for feeder to Haas move could be a good play. You took the next sentence right out of my mouth, mate. The reason why I'm not 100% <laughs> sold on Cleary is because I do have that flexible jewel in Jai Arrow um, that I can sell for feeder, shift Arrow down, and then pick up Haas. So that might be the more sensible play from me uh, rather than the riskier one because I think I'll be in a good position. Uh, I, I would be surprised if I see Red Arrows this week, so I be, could, could be pushing close to that top 1K. And at this stage of the season, you don't want to go too risky and you kind of just want to solidify your spot at the top and 
maybe that that is the play for me moving forward. We'll we'll, we'll have a look. Um, as we said, mate, Katoni's tags thirty eight points. Mm. Selwyn Cobo twenty two points. Mm. Yeah, that's less less said the better. Minus ten in errors as well, Cobo. Yeah, yeah, not not ideal. Like he's still very very raw. Um, for the Warriors, though, Jesse Arthur, Reese Walsh, 87, 86, to, um, respectively, Jazz Tavunga with a 76. And AFB got a bit of a boost to a 59. So getting back to what we were hoping he was, the, last, the first two weeks he, he had 45, 55s. That, that included line breaks. But um, from my memory, this game was basically all just in workload from AFB. So as an owner, hopefully you're getting back to, to what we can. And if we see another decent output from him, then... Um, I could look to jump on after he sort of stalled a little bit, didn't make a whole lot of cash. Yeah, look, I didn't sell for, uh, oh, sorry, I did sell for Neil Blake this round. And look, he probably wasn't the biggest weak link in my team. You know, I've got Stags and Cobo who are probably sitting there, the biggest weak links. But, um, and even the break even wasn't that um, high. Uh, I just saw the opportunity where I can downgrade. He wasn't posting massive scores and I could use those funds to upgrade elsewhere in my team. Look, 59 all in base is a good sign. Um, I think his minutes were pretty decent as well this week. Uh, I want to say, I'll have a quick look for it here. He played uh, 58 minutes, so pretty good minutes. So a PPM of about one is solid. Um, No offloads, though, which I think is the major concern. You always see if Neil Blake is this offloading, tackle-breaking prop. Hasn't got any offloads in this game, nor any tackle breaks. So it kind of does just cap the upside. So you might just be seeing him as like a kind of 55-point player a game at the at this moment. And I think at that price, when you can get someone like Josh King, even Max King, who give you like 10, 15 points less, but so much more money to play with. That's kind of the main reason why I eventually did sell him. Uh, but look, if you've got him, I think, and you've got, you know, you can work with the rest of your team. It's fine to hold. Just not quite seeing the upside that I think we've seen in the past. I swear to God, Brad Arthur, no, Brad Arthur, Nathan Brown has just told all the Warriors players, like, if you offload, you're getting dropped. Like, I feel like none of them are just trying to get any second phase footy, which is what the Warriors thrive on. So hopefully that does improve. Uh, Sean Johnson, his first game back, 45. Ewan Aiken, 49. Josh Curran, 49. Uh, Matt Lodge with a 50, sort of the forwards that are round out. Uh, not a whole lot else here. Eli Katoa uh, benched sort of on game day. Uh, move him on. Time to sell Eli Katoa. The experiment did not work. SJ getting injured after round one really killed his stocks. Um, had a great score with SJ and then he got benched. So, yeah, move on from Eli Katoa. That is my advice. Uh, the Seagulls, 25. Weird number to be on. Uh, Raiders, 6. Tommy Turbo, would he have 100 points before updates? And as a non-owner, very, very happy to see him downgraded to a measly 87 points. Um, we say measly because obviously the heights that he hit last year, but... Dry track in Mudgee. If you still own Turbo, it's it's the best you've seen from him. Yeah, look, I think if you still own Turbo, you're probably committed to holding him, haven't you? You've already copped that one big price drop. He's going to have another price drop. Uh, the draw is still good for the Sea Eagles on paper, kind of akin to what we saw last year in that they had a really, really bad start to the season when they didn't have Tom. Uh, then they had this one like golden point victory, I want to say, over the Warriors. And from then on, they kicked their season off pretty well. Kind of seeing a similar thing happen this year. I think it was last week they had that golden point win, um, a decent win against the Raiders. So now maybe if you're, if you're still holding, say, the likes of a Cherry Evans, if you started with him, a Tom, I would maybe hold because they could potentially go on a nice little run. Uh, but again, also depends on the status of Turbo. Apparently he was seen in a brace, knee brace post-game. So... Uh, we know that he's battled injuries in the past. So, yeah, definitely one to monitor. Look, if he's out, then you would definitely sell just at his price. But I think if he's still fit and firing, ready to go for next week, I'd probably be holding. 
This uh, this scoreboard is giving me some like round twenty one, round twenty two last year vibes. You got Turbo on top, Cherry Evans in second, Garrick in third. But instead of 200, 150, 140, it was 87, 80, 65, which is, I, I kind of think that is the new 180, 150, 140. Like, we've just seen from the first four rounds, like, it's just not what it was. And when Ruben Garrick's getting your 65, that's got to be taken as a win in my book. Yeah, look, for sure. Like, um, you, you make a good uh, callback there to what we were seeing last year. Those top, those three were just absolutely on fire last year. And yeah, Turbo getting an 87, but based on what we saw last year, probably was, you're looking at like 150. Garrick probably like 150 as well. So having them, you know, sub 100, uh, look, it feels good. Uh, I'm still not sure if I'm going to be jumping on any of these guys because of what the other options we have. But definitely Manly with their draw, draw coming up. Could be some nice pods there. Uh, cooler. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to touch on Cooler. Just looking, touch on yeah, Cooler. He's, he looks good. <laughs> yeah, you were saying you're not going to jump on any of these big guys just because of sort of the, the insecurity with their price and the fluctuation in scores. Uh, but Cooler, correct me if I'm wrong, but about 180K, uh, I was tempted to bring him in this week. So I'd only use the one trade myself. Um, I was tempted to bring him in, um, but the news that uh, Brad Parker had COVID, not an injury, kind of scared me a little bit. Wasn't sure with the, the job security. Um, but we'll go up in price after his next game, whenever that will be. If Turbo's out, we could see something like a Garrick at fullback, Cooler on the wing, or we could even see Cooler go straight back to fullback. Um, or like with with a, with a fantastic win, we could just see him hold his spot. It is awkward. I do have the depth in my centre wing to potentially bring him in for Sean Russell and then just have him sit there on, on the bench. I'm never a fan of nothing in what round four coming into round five, but... If he holds his spot with Manly's draw, he obviously is talented, but can we trust Des Hasler? That's the issue. Yeah, it's, it is It is an awkward one for sure because I think a lot of people were thinking coming into this week he would take Morgan Harper's spot because Harper hasn't been that good in the early weeks, but he had a pretty decent game himself. And coming in because of COVID, uh, I wouldn't expect Parker to be dropped out of that starting team. I would expect him to come back in. So, yeah, I think the the the... Downside risk is pretty low in the sense that he's 175k. So if you've got someone like uh, Cobo <clears throat> or, or Sags, and, and you're looking to free up some money, what if you had both? just do a downgrade what if you had both, to like Cooler. Uh, you don't even have to look. You don't even have to get a like sell Cooler in the future to get a price rise. He could just be a good downgrade option who might come in there. He could be a bit of an AE nightmare though if he kind of stays around like that number 14 spot. But I, I think Dylan Walker also picked up a knock, but he probably will be okay from the reports that I've read. But yeah, I think if he plays this week, he'll be a popular buy. Um, look, I might do it myself. There is a bit of a risk there. But um, at 175k, it's not a bad downgrade option. So yeah, I think we've seen that he can perform. So if he does get a run, you know, if you've just got him sitting there in your center wing, any injury comes up and he's thrown in that back line, you know that he's potentially a good plug-and-play option. So I think for those reasons, I don't mind him as a, as a trade-in, even if there's some job security issues around him. Hemo Olakawatu two weeks ago scored a 77, basically all in base. The internet was frothing over him. Uh, plays last week in the differential rain, plays about 50 minutes, scores nothing. Scores a try this week and scores 56. If you own Olakawatu, are you are you pumping the early sell or you're, you're holding firm with obviously this manly draw opening up? I'd probably hold firm. Look, 70, uh, 56 with a try is not great, but we know that he hasn't got the highest base. Um, his base power numbers were good early seasons because he had a lot of tackle breaks. But I think the fact that he gets he gets those tries is indicative of you know what he can do. So I'll, I would be holding. Uh, you know, it's not a horrible score, but um, 
he's not looking like the massive cash riser or massive point scorer that we were thinking, but look, it's only been a couple of rounds. I think he's one of those guys who very easily next week can get like 80, 90 points. So I think you kind of have to ride the highs and lows with him for at least maybe four to six weeks before maybe I think about selling. Yeah, I think he's just really, I mean, kick out with a slightly better floor. Um, so you just have to ride it out. Um, look, all preseason, I was actually tossing up between two five-eighths, one of them being Jack White and another one being Dylan Brown. Look, if I went White and I wouldn't be upset, obviously seeing the way Brown's gone, I, I would be, but just in, in White's numbers, his sheer numbers, he's looked more influential in the side and... Um, I thought he would have looked better with Fogarty and, and worried that when Fogarty was ruled out and Schneider came in that the, the rookie half may have been a little bit unsettling. But Jack White with a 70-point performance, I know a few out there own him. You've got to be happy with that from a guy that was, what, low 400Ks? Yeah, look, I've never been a big fan of Jack White from a supercoach perspective, so I wasn't really kind of pumping him up you know, preseason. But he has started the season quite well, scored another try. He's kind of looking better in form. He had a bit of a down season, you would say, last year. So could be an interesting kind of pot option to consider. It's just like, it's not for me because like I'm a Dylan Brown owner and I've still got a decent cashy, hopefully an Ilias. And then eventually I'm going to want the likes of say Cody Walker, Cam Munster. I just don't see White. And unless you think, unless he has like a massive score that you could be a bit of a stepping stone to one of those other guns. I always see him as someone I'm always going to actively look to sell. So for that reason, look, the score is good 70, but I think there are better options, even though he has done well to begin the year. Brad Schneider with a 38, uh, not awful for a 180k guy with a minus 70 break even. Um, 38 points with, I don't think he had an involvement and only one goal. That's pretty decent if you own. And Tom, Tom Starling, the buyer of the sort of the, the week, 33 points. Uh, not great, um, but didn't really get a whole lot going. Um, yeah, let's just not talk about Tom Starling because he was not good for me. Uh, next game, we had the Cowboys 4-28, the Roosters. Billy Smith being a late scratching and seeing Kevin Naguama score a lot of points. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Made me upset. Good chat. Sorry, you just cut out there for a second. No, you're, you're right. Fan, fantastic audio content. I was just saying with, um, with the, the late scratching of Billy Smith, seeing Kevin Naguama score a lot of points was not great. Yeah, that's true. But it also shows the value of that um, right wing spot for the Roosters. And the reports have come out that he's probably not going to be available next week, but he will become round six. So that gives me hope that it wasn't like a dropping. It was due to injury. So hopefully he should come back into the team relatively soon. We know the Roosters draw is fantastic as well. So it's not ideal that he didn't play this week. And then had to play Cobo. So obviously that didn't work out very well. But um, <laughs> um, I'll probably be holding firm, I think, with Smith for now, um, just because it looks like he'll be back in round six. The shining light is if it if it does turn into form, if Kevin Naguama kills it next week and holds his spot, we don't lose any value because it's only the two games and we'll pick him up for the third. So that, I guess, is is the positive to, to take out of that. Um, moving on to sort of the, the top performers, though. Joey Manu, 118. 
just Joey Manu is the best center in the game, in my opinion. Super coach wise, he can be hot and cold, but when he's hot, he is awfully, awfully hot to be on and 118 points. Everything was going through him. He just looked he looked incredibly silky and very good. Yeah, Manu is incredible. Um, uh, I'm a Roosters fan for anyone who is in the chat and uh, is not aware of that. So very happy to see us um, kind of turn it around um, up in North Queensland. And yeah, Joey Manu is uh, just an unreal centre um, to copy the NRL's new marketing slogan. Unreal. <laughs> but um, yeah, 118 points. Very, <laughs> He looked unreal, that's for sure. Um, and he looked good again last week, you know, scored 75, 118 this week. So you definitely can consider him with a nice draw coming up. But you can say that about a lot of the Roosters players. You've got Tupo there um, sitting pretty in your side, 80 points casually, one try, good base. Uh, looks a great buy that you can also plug into your center wing. So there's a lot of options that we can consider from the Chooks. Yeah, I am very smug, very happy about Joey, uh, Joey Manu, um, about Daniel Tupo, just some, some late junk two weeks in a row. He is fantastic. 80 points for him, as you said. He's just a guy that will get you 40 points without a try, which is which is ideal. Um, James Tedesco, 87 points, punishing people that sold him to Hines. I was never really a fan of that move. I saw it floated around on the socials all, for like basically all week. If you were going to get Hines in, I felt you had to do it another way, not Teddy. And yeah, 87 points for him. Uh, Victor Radley obviously went on Twitter last week and saw the slander um, where people were putting him third as the third best lock in the comp behind Isaiah Young and Cam Murray, and he decided to turn it on with a 94-point performance as well. God, I wish he still had the hooker eligibility because it would make him so much more attractive, but only the 2RF. Um, scrolling down, I guess, fantasy-relevant goal, supercoach-relevant guys, Luke Keery with a 49, Sam Walk with a 41. These guys just look like they're going to be sharing points all year, which is not not ideal if you're an owner of Walker, not ideal if you're an owner of Keery. I'm an owner of Walker. Mm, I don't know. It, it's, it's a case of if I go Cleary or if I go Haas. Otherwise, do I just do I just double down and ride it out and hopefully it comes good? Because, like, he does look good, like, 10 metres out when he jinks and sort of jives and gets gets a little sniff through. But he's just not similar. He plays very similar to Dylan Brown, but just not big enough to break the line as to what Dylan Brown is. He's relying more on, on speed. So I'm not doing too badly in, in Supercoach, so I might hold firm. Uh, I might double down on my stance of this Roosters draw and, and go from there, but... He is definitely on the chopping block, probably the most out of them. But what is your take on this whole Kiri Walker situation? Walker lost the goal kicking duties at sort of the back end of the game. We know he's not a fantastic t- uh, kicker off the tee. Is it? Uh, is it big Takiaho time? Yeah, I was messaging you saying uh, like Roosters. I think this goal kicking is going to be an issue for the Chooks come end of season because the best teams have got pinpoint goal kickers. You know. Uh, and those points are valuable in tie games. What do you mean, what do you mean year, mate? So you, you've, got, really need a... you've got James Tedesco there. He's a, he's a gun kicker. <laughs> as long as they can move the goalposts when he takes them, and they can move it you know, 20 metres to the, that was to the left um, that was as he's awful. shooting. Uh, that was an awful. We'll, we'll talk about another goal-kicking fullback in a little bit, though. I've got a bit more um, faith in his goal-kicking than, say, a, a certain Tedesco. But, um, yeah, I think it was a weird one. I don't know why they took it off Walker. Look, it, they clearly wanted him to be the primary one. They've got Momorowski, who could be an option. Maybe Takiaho. Takiaho's not a bad goal kicker. Maybe they just need to find a 17 where they get Adam Kieran in there because he's a gun goal kicker. But that's, like, his main value for the Roosters is the goal kicking. So, yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting one. We'll see with Takiaho, but, you know, only 23 points from him. Uh, in terms of what you said earlier about the whole Sam Walker, Luke Kieran thing, so... I kind of spoke about it last week where I had more faith holding the likes of a Tedesco. I was definitely not on board with selling Teddy for Hines because I think with the Roosters, 
if they're going to score points, Teddy is the main man. He's going to be there both sides of the field, setting up the tries, linking up play, does those jinking runs, you know, get breaks tackles. He's going to be safe for points. With the likes of Kiri and Walker, they definitely are sharing the responsibilities. Kiri a little bit more so than Sam Walker, but they're sharing a lot. So I think you're just basically their points are halved. You know, you see Kiri with 49 and Walker with 41. You'd say maybe last season, if it was just Teddy and Sam Walker, Sam Walker might be getting like 80 points because he might just have like an extra couple of try assists, something like that. So that's, I did sell Sam Walker for Nico Hines this week. I think it probably was the better move to do it last week. Now, even though the draw is coming up is good, halfback, you know, you want Hines, you want Cleary. It's hard to maybe think about holding on to Walker. Obviously, the Broncos coming up is good, so it's not awful. It'll be interesting to see what his break even is as well. But yeah, I think you're on. I think you're right. I think they do share a lot of the points. Um, neither has good base as well, so they can throw up these low scores if they don't get those big attacky stats, which is not ideal. Like, they won't get, like, Teddy's, you know, volume of tackle breaks and things like that to just give him a higher floor. So, yeah, it's it's not the best looking for those Roosters halves, but shout-out to the Cowboys halfback and Chad Townsend, uh, zero points in 80 minutes as well. Fantastic. Absolutely world-class. That's <laughs> Jason Sarber levels of involvement there from Chad Townsend. Um, look, I was aware of the Sam Walker low base, but I was happy to ride with that because he had the floor with the goal kicking. But if he's not goal kicking, I can't put up with the 10, 15 point scores that he will get when he doesn't kick. But against the Broncos next week, I think it's too tempting to not hold. But then again, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Um, For the Roosters though, Angus Crichton, 38 points off the bench. I'm going to buy him for about 500k in about a month's time, which is lovely. Um, And... Yeah, no one else really to talk about from the Chookies. From the Cowboys, Tommy Dearden with a 62. Murray Tuolangi with a 62. Hey, if you told me Tom Dearden would be leading the league in try assist after a month, I'd call you a liar. So he's playing some some good footy. And Jason Tamalolo with a 57. Another one of these guys that I'm like, oh, but he's not doing anything to warrant being sold. He's just not Tamalolo of two years ago, which is unfortunate. But, I mean, 57 points, the top scoring forward. Um in this game, apart from Victor Radley. Yeah, no, yeah, he was the second top scoring forward in this game, apart from Victor Radley. So, fine. If Ruben Cotter is going to be playing more minutes at 13, it looks like um, Tam Lola's rotating through prop, which is fine. If he scores me 57 points every week, I can't be too upset. Um, but I am looking at Ruben Cotter, as I said before. 56 points in about 53 minutes. Uh, available to RF, available to hooker. If he can start getting a few more minutes, then I'm all over him at, what is he, 360k or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I think that hooker to our uh, eligibility is really nice as well. It's very handy having that. Um, yeah, he played about, what, 56 minutes this game. The tagging upside is not going to quite be there, but look, at that price, if he's punching at mid-50s, um, you know, you could be doing well there. So if you've got one of these mid-ranges, like, say, like a Ewan Aiken, I think he scored very similar. Um, Tam Lolo as well. He's kind of just getting about a point per minute. Not that I'd necessarily say that they're a sell, but maybe if you're looking to free up like 100-something K, maybe you can go down to Kota. But yeah, it's a min swatch, I think, for him. Yeah, I, I want to... I, I probably give it another... I don't know if I can give it another week. I'm, I'm either going to have to go this next week or, or, or not at all because he had an 18 break even. He's priced at 380K, so he'll be up over 400K next week. Um, so it's a case of, yeah, whether we go this week early because if I go for feeder to um, Kota that's going to give me enough cash to go for feeder and then maybe like a Andrew for feeder to a, a better starting front row forward. Um, all moves that we'll have to contend with. I've been pretty good on trades. I've only made four trades all year. So 
um, sitting nicely with those. So I do have the luxury to, to move some some trades around if I need to. Um, Reese Robson, 53, and then Val Holmes just drops off to him with a 36. So not a whole lot to touch on. Um, we will touch on the Jeremiah Nenai roller coaster. Obviously, the kid is extremely green, extremely raw. I said this on Twitter last week. Like he's gonna score you a hundred. He's gonna score you thirty. He is extremely young, extremely green. So you've got to persist with this. Um, but I probably will look to sell once this hundred rolls out of his rolling average. I will ride that for another week, and then potentially move him on um, if we decide to go Cleary in round seven when that thirty six drops out of his rolling average. So a bit of future planning. I'm um, just trying to line up break evens with guns and. Then I could be the one that we move on to for even someone like a Brody Jones if he comes back out firing next week. Yeah, no, I think that's probably the right way to play it. Um, he's got those that big hundred, so yeah, try to get some price out of him. Maybe even potentially even downgrade to someone like a Cotter if you if you wanted. Although depending on the week, so the timing might not quite be there. But yeah, Brody Jones could be a candidate. Via duels, you know, if you went from Nanai to Taylor May, for example, you know, there's things that you can do. I think um, at that two hundred position to downgrade him. Um, otherwise, look, he's fine to hold as well. But if you're looking at him purely for cash gen, then yeah, you kind of have to wait for that hundred to roll out, and then from there cash in. Yeah, it'll be, I think it's definitely dependent on what he scores next week. He had a minus six break even this week uh, and scored what thirty. So I expect his break even next week maybe about thirty five, and then if he scores a forty five or fifty, you would expect the break even the week after to be huge, um, and that's probably when I would cash out at say four hundred and fifty k, which would be a nice little what 110k profit which is which is handy and then we'll, we'll move him on for someone um, a little bit better uh, also breaking news the NRL integrity unit is investigating um, some footage uh, between Payne Haas and Albert Kelly some people are saying it's old footage but the less we will speculate that on the better I'm sure you guys have all seen the the footage getting around um, moving into Sunday mate this this game this Sunday this is going to go down in all time in for me because this saved my week. Melvin Storm, 44 nil Bulldogs. Ryan Pappenhausen, pre-updates with 189 points. And as you can see, he has the orange tag on my screen. Has the orange tag on your screen, Tuaman. Uh, nope. Nico Hines got that treatment last week, and Ryan Pappenhausen gets it this week. Seems to be a... A bit of a trend, Melbourne fullbacks performing well in Supercoach. You wouldn't read about it, but yeah, 189 points. Would you have four tries, a try assist, 400,000 line breaks and kicking goals left, right and centre. Oh, what a, what a week to, to get the captaincy on him. Yeah, absolutely saved my week. So if any of you are new to me uh, on my channel, well, it's a trend that's lasted a week so far. I have dabbled with poems and rhymes with some of our favorite supercoach options i thought ryan pappenhausen as my captain 189 points i thought he deserved one as well so um if you'll let me have the floor whisperer this is a tribute to mr ryan pappenhausen i was looking forward to sunday night my supercoach score though was looking like shite all my hopes were on little pappenhausen and he finally helped me crack the big 1000 he absolutely smashed all expectations made me forget all my frustrations, that little legend scored his points so fast. I had to talk about it on the Dual Position podcast. Oh, take a vow, mate. Take a vow. Oh, what a poet. What an absolute machine. Um, great, great words from you, mate. And just a great performance from Pappenhausen. He was just on fire. And with oh, Mel- with Melbourne's draw, what a legend. it's going to be hard for me to take the captaincy off him uh, moving forward. Hey, 
we get into the into the very very good 189 from Pappenhausen. I'm having to scroll down a bit to find uh, old Cam Munster. He the uh, the opposite of a flat track bully. Lock Cam Munster in for your captain if he's playing a top four side. Uh, and anyone else, stay far away from him. And I also think it's no coincidence that he shaved his head and it all fell apart. You called it. You said he shaved his head, guys, to sell him. I did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, it's just a strange some, one, you know. He, some just, some yeah, big... He, some he big maybe should have kept, no? kept that mullet. You know, maybe he took some mullet inspiration from Pappenhausen and got, you know, maybe he would have turned up that way. So, yeah, not, not a great look from that monster. Uh, not not doing well there. Yeah, some some fantastic big statistical dives in there from me on my on my, uh, on my Twitter. I spent hours and hours and hours researching all these brilliant stats. Um, no, in all seriousness, Cameron Munster with, with a shaved head is a, is a no-go. He was, he was looking lethal in the preseason, looking brilliant first three rounds, and then shaved his head and just fell apart with a 35. Um, I've never seen so many people tell me that they took the captaincy off Pappenhausen last... Or I've never seen so many people tell me that t- they took the captaincy off someone so last minute, and then a lot of people moved it on to Munster. So that's a, that's a what is it, 150-point swing right there. Like that is, It just takes you from a 1,300 to a 1,150 with the click of a button, and it just shows you how volatile Supercoach can be. That is brutal. I saw quite a lot of that on my um, Twitter as well. People saying they switched last minute from Munster to Pappenhausen. Like I did suggest Munster as a captain, but in my in my opinion, it was always Pappenhausen. Just like even if he's not involved in say some like tries and things with that goal kicking, it just adds like twenty points to his score. Even if you know the Storm absolutely blow out an opposition. And look, he looks he's looking back to what we saw at the beginning of last season, which is really nice to see after he had such a horror run with those HIAs. I really like the combination that he's uh, forming with Xavier Coates, you know, number two on the Storm scorers there. seems like they've got this play where he does that kind of cutout ball to Coates on the wing. Coates has got that speed that he can break down the wing. Um, Pappenhausen will cut back in on his left-hand side. Coates will throw it back, and they just kind of get that easy yeah, easy try. I really like that combination. So I wasn't very high on Coates, but I'm starting to turn my tune on that. He's looking really good as well. But, yeah, the swing, the swing is brutal, though. Um, between Munster and Pappenhausen. But uh, yeah, look, I'm a very happy uh, captain, Pappenhauser and owner. Um, look, if you don't own or if you don't, if you didn't captain, these kind of things will come every once in a while, you know, every few weeks where you'll, you'll get the rub of the green. It's just like we've all been there. We've all had bad captaincies. Um, we've had good ones. So wouldn't be too hard on us. So a few people saying that they're going to quit Supercoach and things like that. Look, don't, don't do that because next week you could be captaining the guy who gets 150, 160 uh, and you're laughing. So look, very happy that we got the rub of the green this week, but yeah, if you're down about it, you know, don't worry too much about it. It's a game. Uh, we all enjoy it. We all make fun of each other, but uh, yeah, look, overall I have to give a hand to Pappenhausen and hopefully that poem <laughs> showed my tribute. To the, the, chat, the chat is blowing up. Uh, is that Kendrick Lamar, this Shakespeare, bro spitting some oh. bars, Ryman Pappenhausen with thousand. How did I not see that coming, mate? That that, that was spectacular. Um, as for Xavier Coates, though, the, the amount of rubbish, <laughs> the amount of rubbish I put him in in preseason, and somehow managed to beat him on my side round one. I just want to. I'm going to look right down the barrel of the camera right now. Uh, Xavier Coates and all Melbourne Storm fans, I sincerely apologise for slandering the great man's name. Um, I played him for an 85. Fantastic. Uh, Kenny Bromwich with an 82. He just has these games where he'll just score well. Um, and then don't expect him to ex- expect him to score like twenty points next week. He just he does this. Um, Harry Grant seventy one. Is that a good game or is that just a game for Harry Grant? 
Sorry. Uh, audio just cut out there. Did you want to... Some, some quali- you got some quality internet, mate. I was saying a 71 for Harry Grant. Is that a good game or is that just a game for Harry Grant? I'd say it's just a game. Uh, look, he did have a couple of try assists, but it didn't look like he did anything crazy or out of the ordinary. So, yeah, I'd just say that's a, that's a good, that's just a normal game from Harry Grant. Didn't have the base that he normally gets because the bull, uh, sorry not the bulldog, the storm was so dominant in this one. But yeah, look, seventy one. Um, yeah, happily will take that from uh, Grant. That's without a try. Shows his creativity. We know how good he is at that in that role. So yeah, Grant, easy as. I'm very happy I traded him in this week for Reed Marnie. Um, yeah. My opinion, still the best hooker to get in the game. Uh, 54 points from Josh King with some janky attacking stats. Not happy about that as a non-owner. Um, but 54 points with a try. Not panic if you don't if you own, obviously. But if you don't own, I wouldn't be rushing out to buy him. Yeah, look, look I'm happy. Look, I am a Josh King owner. I was very happy, especially when Harry Grant did set him up for his try as well. Uh, benefited both ways there. The minutes were a lot down this week, actually, 49 minutes when he's been playing 60-plus. So it is a bit of a slight pause for concern. It could be the return of Brandon Smith that did impact in terms of the minutes there. So it does give me some pause for thought about, you know, whether you still think Josh King's a buy. I think this week he was still a, a buy just because he had such a low break even. Now that we've seen the minutes go down with Brandon Smith returning, gives me some concern as to whether he can keep that up. And, you know, 49 points take away the try. What's, what are we looking at there? That's about, you know, 30-something 30 30 points. So not great seven, in 49 yeah. minutes. Yeah, so it looks like that might be potentially end of the road with King. But I think he's shown good faith by Bellamy. So still fine to hold for now. But um, yeah, I'm not sure if he's screaming an outright buy at the moment. All right. Call me crazy. But we antipod Haas again. And TPJ played 80 minutes, scored 64 points. In a side that scored zero against the Storm, that is impressive. He's available dual uh, front row forward five eight uh, five eight. That'd be handy. Um, front row forward two RF. Can we get around TPJ, or is this just one of the streaky games that he goes on? No, we can de- we can definitely get around TPJ. I think he just showed us what he can do on ter- in terms of a super coach. You know, you can play big minutes, and I see his stats there. He's got fourteen points in ineffective offloads. So not apparently the game didn't think any of his offloads were effective. But um, yeah, look, 19 tackles, 14 points in offloads, a few runs in there. Just kind of, it's the offloads really is what you get yeah. from TPJ, the tackle breaking ability as well. Uh, I like the fact that he um, is available at front row forward. Um, I think he was very, in one of my early preseason teams as well. I think we just need to see a little bit more, you know, see if he can keep up the big minutes, um, keep his act together in terms of not going to the judiciary and things like that as well. So I wouldn't be jumping on him, but look, he's always an option. Just need to kind of um, hope that he can clean up the act and doesn't get into any um, naughty stuff um, on the field and into the um, you know in suspended territory. Yeah, he should be a, he should be about five hundred and fifty ish k next week, which is tempting enough to ju- to jump on. Um, the the draw for the next six weeks or so is brutal, um, but he doesn't play. Touch wood, he won't play Origin. That duel is handy, um, but yeah, it's the offloads. I, I tell this story a lot, uh, but there was a game for the Broncos last year where I think he scored eighty nine points and he had twenty. 526 points in that like actual base and the rest of it was just like offloads. Yeah, like 60 points in offloads. So that's what you're getting with Pengai. If he's playing 80 minutes on the edge, um, I might have to have a sneaky look at him. Uh, Max King, 37 points. Bit of a worrying tweet from Gus Gould earlier in the week about him not potentially being 100% fit or the or the the, uh, the Bulldogs wouldn't play him if he wasn't 100% fit. Um, he is my front row forward number two. So this is a, 
a problem in my side that I'm going to have to address. For all the the fantastic high floor players I've got, my front row forward is weak. I think we combined it for 100 points between three players. So not ideal. Um, forwards, I've just gone very light in, like a hooker um, and front row forward, I've gone very light in. So that's something I'm going to have to address um, for that as well. Apart from that, no really relevant Bulldogs that I want to touch on. Um, I am looking at Matt Burton as like an Uber pod round 10 when the Bulldogs draw opens up and he should be at like a really good price because um, the Bulldogs draw does get better come round 10. But apart from that, man, I'm not really looking at any other Bulldogs players and yeah, they, they got spanked 44 zip in Amy Park and Ryan Pappenhausen was the man. Uh, the Eels 48, the Dragons 14, tried to one-up them, didn't quite get there. Uh, Mitch Moses, 146 points. Shout out to the bloke in the chat that said he traded that Moses for Hines this week. Uh, unlucky. But, yeah, he was just on fire. Like, he was just good from, like, the first minute to the last minute. He had the ball on a string, off the tee, in general field. Like, he was in everything. Um, Bryce Cartwright flicking the ball for, like, one of the best tries I've seen this year. He was just, he was the man. Yeah, look, very, very impressive win by the Eels in this one. They looked super good as well. Um, the, I think their completion rate was like insanely high. It was above 90%, uh, just completely dominant over the Dragons there. And yeah, shout out to Sean trading out Moses for Hines. Look, on paper, that was a good move. That is just really unlucky how well Moses did this week. You wouldn't have predicted 146 for Moses, though. Uh, but look, Dillbags, 124 points. Uh, sorry, um, sorry. Hang, shout on, out hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang well. on, hang on. Doesn't quite get the full play out like like Pappenhausen did, but Love Island's very own Dylan Brown. You and I are both owners. How good? No, nah, Dylan Brown is finally repaying the faith. I started with him last year, and he had, like, what, two attacking stats all season. Uh, I held him for too long, and he gave me too little. But, um, look, he's been delivering so far this season. I've got another poem for Dylan Brown, if you will let me, because I feel especially close with Dylan Brown because I've taken the pun on him again this season, and he's finally coming up Trump. So I thought, look, it's 124 points. It's not like we can't give all the shine to Pappenhausen, right? So if you guys are enjoying the poem, well, look, there'll be another one for Dylan Brown. So shout out. This one is for Dylan Brown. Last season, he was just making me frown, but he's been tearing up so far in 2022. He's all about that base, but he's getting attacking stats too. Keep it up, legend, and you'll stay in my team. The number six from Para, he's been a dream. Oh, Jesus. Oh, how about Did I just break the oh, whisper? You're on, you're, on, you're on fire today, mate. On fire. But hey, when, you're, when your side finally cracks the, 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 the 1300 mark, mate, um, you're, you're all the, the more welcome to be. Uh, the 6 and 7 for Para. It, 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 it does. It does. The 6 and 7 for Para, like, just unreal for, for them. Like, combining for what? Nearly 300 points? Like, it's just, just ridiculous. Um, Wunga Blake on that left wing, it just goes to show you put me there and I'll average 70 points a game. Um, I was actually looking at him as a bit of a pod play last week, but didn't jump on with the news that this was like when Asako was like rumored to be signed there last week. And then he like obviously went to the Titans. I was actually looking at bringing Blake in. Um, but yeah, like eh. um, Nathan Brown bag, the try from 85. IPAP, he's another one that I'm looking at, but probably a little bit pricey. Like, It'd be between IPAP. If I wasn't going harsh, it'd be between IPAP and, and TPJ. But like that price is just a tad too much, to, but he does have the attacking upside. Like it's just with the Eels draw, like he could crash over for a double and, and score 130 points. 
No, definitely. Look, IPAP is always an option. He is very expensive. And playing on the right side, it's not as good as playing on the left as he was last year because we know the, the Parrot, um, they love to go down their left-hand side. So that's kind of the only um, knock on him, I think. But look, 72 is great. No attacking stats in there. We know he can go big. But I think at the price, I think the priorities are probably to spend that money in like going for your halves, going for your, your grants and things like that. So I don't think he's quite up to that must-have level at the moment. He's definitely going to be a consideration. I think someone in the chat mentioned earlier about around Origin, he won't play. So yeah, definitely a good pickup then. You'd expect him to be playing decent minutes around that time as well. But uh, yeah, look, always a good option. Uh, Wanga Blake as well. I know you were um, keen on him. Just shows the value of that left wing spot for the Eels, right? That spot is just gold. Anyone who plays there is going to get attacking stats. They love to target that side. So yeah, he's a good option. Nathan Brown, I think... Scored his scored a try in this game, didn't he? He did. Um, yeah, wasn't wasn't Vossi on the coverage saying, um, "Yeah, I heard Vossi on the coverage saying that he has scored about like one try a season for the last like six seasons." So I wouldn't be expecting a tactic out of Brown anytime soon. To be, look, to yeah, be fair, uh, though, I've gone on a tangent from iPad, but yeah. <laughs> to be fair to Brown, it was a try without a line break, so that takes him down to what sixty-eight points. Which yeah, that's 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 good for 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 Nathan Brown. So that's handy to to monitor. Um, but on IPAP though, like he had to break even this week of sixty, so he's going to be closer to what six hundred and ninety k next week. And if I can get like ten points less in TPJ for what one hundred and forty k cheaper, then I'd much rather do that, or then just spend the money and go and go Haas. But the duel is enticing. Like Haas doesn't have that duel. He will play Origin IPAP. Does have does have the dual one play origin, so you can understand it. Does have the attacking upside as well, but the presence of Mado kind of worries me a little bit. But definitely one to monitor um, for the Eels. Also, uh, Will Penasini with a sixty six. My Twitter curse continues. We posted, can he do something, please? He's been useless, and then five minutes later, obviously bust through and and gets a try assist, which is handy. Uh, shout out to Reed Marnie, who I've held all year, has done nothing and gets a sixty point affair for a sell him. Awesome. Uh, Gutho with a 60 as well, rounds out sort of the top scorers for them. Junior Paulo has been a massive flop. I know he was cheap, but like there was hope for a bounce back year and it just hasn't materialized. Makahiti Makatoa um, is taking some minutes. RCG is just sort of doing what RCG does. And yeah, like it's just not happened for Paulo. Only 38 minutes tonight. So just really being like Gillard, Campbell Gillard played 44, but it looks much more impactful in those 44 minutes compared to Paulo's 38. I think they've just got such a stacked forward pack that they can afford to give the likes of Paulo not as big minutes and just have him more as an impact player. Um, and without him offloading, though, yeah, just is not it's just not an option. Um, so look, I wouldn't be considering any of you know Paulo or Campbell Gillard. A question for you though, like if you were trading out say for feeder and you had to go IPAP or Murray, who would you go out of those two? That's hard. That's tough because on the surface you say Murray, yeah, but no origin jewel. That's that's the the thing. Like that's the that's the thing that, that gets me. And I don't know. Paramount have just looked different this year. I know they do this every year. They start hot, whatever. But like they just look good. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe IPAP. That sounds silly to say, but I think just for the fact that he is jewel and doesn't play origin. But Cam Murray will never play middle, which is a worry. And IPAP probably will. So. Uh, I don't know. But then again, does IPAP play middle with the like the emergence of Makahisi Makatoa? Like, has that filled that middle middle role? So maybe maybe we do take a look a close look at IPAP right now. I'm probably leading towards TPJ just because he is 150k cheaper or whatever. But you've got more stability um, in IPAP for the Dragons. Ben Hunt with an 80, Tarek Sims with a 68, Jack Bird with a 58, 
And Zach Lomax with some nice force dropout junk very late in the game to bump him up to a 54. He's someone I'm like seriously looking at. But the problem is the Dragons draw never really gets good. I've said this last week as well. It's like two good games, two bad games, two good games, one bad game, a good game, two bad games. It's just like it never really gets consistent for them. But he has shown that he can score against sort of better sides, which is handy. Yeah, it's only from about round 10 where they have like a nice consistent run of good games because it's very up and down. As you mentioned, they've got Rabbitohs, Knights, then it's the Roosters, Tigers, Storm. And then after that, from round 10, it's like Titans, Warriors, Bulldogs, Cowboys, etc. So that's probably a good time to get him you know, maybe closer to that state of origin period as well. But um, especially, they're looking a little bit inconsistent. You know, they dropped Terrell Sloan. You know, Amon was on the bench, I think. Was he or was he not dropped altogether? So there is still a bit of indecisiveness around their best squad overall so Lomax I'm always keen on because he's a very solid option for super coach with a goal kicking um but yeah overall I wouldn't be investing too many uh, Dragons players though that's for sure yeah no Lomax would be the only one um normally mate we do full credit to the boys in bin send-offs and whatever but we've gone for an hour and 10 minutes tonight so I reckon we might scrap that and uh we might do a double dose next week if we can if we can get you on um, but that's going to sort of take us up with all the games this week. Um, just to round up, you scored 1,301. I scored 1,355. Um, both of us did did pretty good. Um, that's going to, I guess, round out us for the audio platform. As always, uh, myself and my guests, we stay back sort of 10 minutes after the live stream or after the audio uh, has cut out and we'll answer some questions on YouTube. Um, as always, make sure you head over to the YouTube if you do want to get involved in that. Um, we are live at about 8.15 on Sunday and 7 o'clock on, thir- on Tuesdays. Um, still trying to get a uh, consistent Tuesday guest. Aman is not reliable on Tuesdays because he has a big boy job and works big boy hours. But I do have someone in mind, um, someone that you guys have been asking for. So if we can get him on, that'd be fantastic. Um, mate, where can everyone find you uh, listening to the podcast? Uh, yep. So I'm also on YouTube at Aman Talks NRL Supercoach. Uh, on Twitter at Aman Talks NRL SC. Those are my two main platforms. All right, um, yeah, as, as I said, that's going to round up the, the round four recap uh, for Supercoach in the podcast platform. Aman and I will be hanging around for you YouTube guys to answer some questions for the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Uh, but as always, I've been the SC Whisperer, joined by Aman on this wonderful Sunday night. Um, hopefully you did good this week. Hopefully Captain Pappenhausen. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Tuesday, go over our trade thoughts and whatever. Um, but Aman, I very much appreciate you jumping on this week, mate. No worries. No, thank you. Um, good to good to be on and uh, good to be on when I have a good week as well. Definitely, definitely. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in. Bye.